<laughs> the uh, traditional greeting of our people. Yep. <laughs> How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Excellent. Another big old beefy meat-tastic day. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> of the work variety, that is, of course. Well, that makes so much more sense now. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to Super Superstitious. The comedy podcast about the <laughs> science behind spooky and strange things. <laughs> I'm Wyatt. I'm Jake. I'm going to keep you on your toes with what, what we call the show as often as I can. Always giving me almost a little whiplash, but not quite. <laughs> Just kind of like, ooh, my neck's kind of a, a slight sore. variation on the... Uh, on the main thing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Show uh, welcome we, back, everybody. Say what now, Jake? It's the show where we talk about spooky, strange phenomenomenses, and we try and understand them better using our backgrounds in science and... Uh, and friendship. Most of that. Anyway, this is August, which means the premise we, for the entire we month... We are about to board a plane uh-huh. for August... Around the world. <laughs> so much energy in that particular title. And, uh. <laughs> and we're we're going to be trekking around the world this month, starting with what country, Wyatt? We both have our tickets to Thailand, and uh, we're going to jump on this plane, which you can hear idling. Uh-huh. It's a private plane that we <laughs> hired and had to buy tickets for. And now we're going to go to Thailand. And here we'll we see go. See you in 16 hours. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a quick flight. Here we are I in barely Thailand. Barely felt it. Oh, yeah. Here we are. It's I can tell that it is warmer than it was in North America. Isn't it winter in Thailand? Isn't that a song? Anyway, we're here to explore stuff, and Jake, take it away. It's, a, it's an even episode. It is, so it is me first, and now I've, <laughs> I've totally frozen myself up because I'm trying to remember if it is south of the equator or not. It is- I believe it is. Fully not. It is entirely it is north not? of the equator, so it is summertime there. Ah, uh, uh, you mercator-ass bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no one's called me that since high school. <laughs> All right, first up, I have, unsurprisingly, a Reddit post. This one is from user Philosophon from about five years ago. Let's see here. This happened to me when I, w- when I visited Thailand around 2013. My wife and I are both Thai, and we usually go back to visit our family once every two years. We had a lot of Thai friends who came to study abroad and went back to their country once they graduated from their universities. This happened when we went to visit our friends in Kanchanaburi, about two or three hours west of Bangkok. Hmm. One of my friends warned me that Kanchanaburi is an old city and there's a lot of ghosts there. I brushed it off because this guy loves stories like this and he also loves to scare people. The friend who we were visiting, let's call him T, is one of my best friends. We hung out together a lot back when we were in Seattle. Mm. T picked us up from the bus stop and he showed us around the city. It has a lot of nature and sightseeing areas. One of those places is called Death Railway. You can Google this, but let me just give you a brief history anyway. Have you heard of Death Railway? Uh, it sounds like a pulp horror movie. <laughs> that actually does, yes. Death Railway began its construction around World War II by the Japanese Army with help from POWs. Good boy. And by help, I mean whoever didn't do a good job was killed on the spot, and the damn mm. thing is built on a cliff. 
Needless to say, a lot of people died there. Uh, it's I, I was picturing that cliff highway when they're describing this. I looked it up, and it's just it is just a um, railroad tracks just mounted on the side of a cliff. Doesn't look quite as terrifying as the highway, but I'm sure it was terrifying to build. Are you for real? Mm-hmm. Do you mind if I Google it right now? Go for it. Oof. Yeah, and there are photos as well of the POWs who had to help build it, and it's yeah horrible that conditions. Was my, they were my oof. In, yeah, I figured that was the case. Went through hell. If they survived. And uh, railway is now a tourist attraction. Um, so it says the, uh, the Japanese army was building it because they could use this railway to transport their troops and supplies to invade Burma easily. However, in this day and age, Death Railway is just a sightseeing spot with lots of tourists and small shops here and there. Nothing much going on. We took a few pictures and looked around. There was a Buddha statue in an open cave nearby. So we went there and paid our respects. Then we left. Mm. As we were walking out, I don't know why, but at the time I thought there's probably a lot of dead people here. Right then and there, the hair on my whole body stood up all of a sudden. It kind of felt like if you were in a crowd and everyone was staring at you. It gave me this uncomfortable feeling. Hmm. From that moment on, until I stepped in T's car and left the place, I kept feeling like I was being followed. Again, I brushed Hmm. it off, thinking nothing of it, and we continued on with our trip. That night, when we went to stay at T's guest house, I remember that it was very dark. Streetlights were uh, far away from the house. The area wasn't as developed as the city area. The house was a little creepy, but my friend said he grew up there, so I didn't think too much of it. We hung out in a room he prepared for me and my wife. We ate some snacks and talked since we hadn't seen each other in a few years. This whole time, since I stepped inside the house, I felt very uneasy, almost like I was being watched the entire time. Hmm. It felt just, uh, it might just have been that the house was old and the outside was dark, with no sound from the street at all. The only noises we heard uh, were from crickets and our voices. Not long after that, T left to sleep in his room. My wife and I took showers, then we also went to bed. As I was dozing off, I felt like there was someone running their fingers from my right ankle to my inner thigh really fast. Uh, ooh. <laughs> Briefly, yeah. I kicked my leg out of reflex, thinking it might be ants or bugs because we had some snacks in the room. I thought that way to try to calm myself, trying to think rationally. But in the back of my head, I knew that there was no insect or bug that would get inside my pajamas without my noticing, and that <laughs> ran that fast. Or my permission. <laughs> yes. It also didn't feel like insects. It felt like when you use your index and middle fingers to pretend that you're walking. Just to make sure, <laughs> I, I got up, turned on the light, and checked my blanket and my bed. I found a few ants, and that's about it. It's like, oh, whatever, just, just some ants. It's like, I, I would oh, be yeah. very <laughs> upset if there were ants in my bed, but I guess... Classic bed ants. <laughs> I took them out, checked the blanket and my bed again. <laughs> one by one. Picked it up, put it on the ground, pat it on the head. Next yeah. one. <laughs> Have a good night. Have a good night. <laughs> Um, uh, make sure there's nothing in there. Went back to sleep. After a few minutes, it happened again. I did the same thing as last time. Got up, turned on the light, and checked the blanket and my bed. But this time, there was nothing there. My wife was very confused. She was asking what was going on. I didn't want to freak her out, so I told her nothing happened. No, She's you like, got it was me, you fucking idiot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as soon as I laid down and closed my eyes, it happened again. I was terrified at this point, kicking my legs out in panic. In my head, I said that I apologize if I ever disrespected anyone unknowingly or did anything inappropriate. That kind of worked. It stopped. No more Hmm. feeling like something was crawling up my leg. I was still terrified. I shut my eyes tight and eventually fell asleep. The next day, we woke up, had breakfast, and went back to Bangkok. I didn't want to freak anyone out, so I didn't tell anyone. Hmm. That was this user's uh, weird experience in uh, Thailand. Very spooky. Yeah, the idea of feeling like there were fingers crawling up your leg uh, when there aren't is not a great idea to have in your head. It's amazing what a difference it, it makes to know that a corporeal being is doing that versus yeah, 
incorporeal. Yeah, if someone was like, oh, the, like if it was white, his wife doing it, I'd be like, oh, ooh, exciting. If it's like, she's <laughs> just asleep, it's like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Unless he was Dan Aykroyd. To, <laughs> right. To trot that tired joke back out. <laughs> there were some, uh, some responses to this post, people saying things like what, what they were thinking might be the case. One of them was saying that they didn't think that he had actually upset any spirits but that maybe it was just like a trickster kind of spirit who, once he acknowledged that they were playing a prank on him, got the satisfaction of having, uh, you know, gotten his attention, and then that was why they stopped bothering him afterward. Mm-hmm. But uh, generally, just a weird thing. Could be a bug thing. I do want, if he said that he did find ants the first time and felt an itch, you know, when you feel any kind of itch, even if, you, if there are no bugs and you feel like, you know, a hair on your leg move in a way that kind of tickles a little bit, think there's something there. And then, in the case like this, if you did see the ants... If this guy is anything like me, afterward, you just are convinced that there are bugs everywhere. <laughs> yeah. You've, you've, you've seen some. So now it's like every little, your body just itches all over. Every little thing feels Ugh. like, oh, there's another one. So your skin's just crawling. Mm-hmm. Also, I mean, he very, very clear, you know, it was very clear from the start of his story that he was creeped out all day. Yes. He creeped himself out. It took him a moment's contemplation to go, Ugh, I'm definitely surrounded by ghosts. He sounds like a person with a very um, narrow threshold between feeling fine and feeling like something bizarre is going on. Yeah. And I can imagine, just as you've said, you know, sometimes you just feel like your skin's kind of crawling for whatever mm. reason. And you have to go catch it. Not much of a leap to think it's a little fingery, tickly game thing going mm-hmm. on. But spooky nonetheless. Yeah, spooky little spooky little experience that just happened in Thailand, and so it's in my segment. <laughs> Uh, an experience we could only have there. <laughs> <laughs> right. The uh, second thing I have here is uh, something kind of goofy and a little a little different. As far as I can tell, this one was posted in April of this year. Ooh, on the first? No, unfortunately. Yeah, it would, that would make it make more sense. Oh, boy. It's posted to the website infinityexplorers.com. <laughs> they begin, uh, there are numerous reports of strange humanoid creatures and aliens that take on a wide variety of shapes and sizes. Stories like this are endless and often completely surreal. One of the subspecies of humanoid creatures is those that float in the air or soar, defying the laws of gravity and even physics. My God. This is the point at which I totally stopped reading so that I could go check out the About Us section of (laughs) InfinityExplorers.com. Um, I'm going to send you We are here. a team of Lon Strickler, Manuel Navarrete. <laughs> exactly. You know, the worst part, I after I finished reading this, I wanted to see if I could find the same story anywhere else to kind of just get, see if there are any other um, images or anything to go with it and see if I could find any corroboration. Right. And of course, there was a post on Phantoms and Monsters. From oh, the, no. The Isaac, man, I... I am glad to be reading it from somewhere else just for a different, a change of pace. Yes, absolutely. But it's like, yeah, if it's the kind of thing that he catches, it's like, okay, this is a particular brand of goofiness that's happening. So I checked out their, their About Us page. Their logo is not the same everywhere that it appears. Um, Can I see their logo? I'm going to send it right now. And uh, just, at the, just at the top of the About Us page, I'll read it to you while you look at it. They say, Infinity Explorers is a leading paranormal blog which provides comprehensive information on paranormal, oh, extraterrestrial... God. mysteries entertainment mythology and breakthrough discoveries infinity explorers is started to provide all the paranormal and science related discoveries at a single place from the founder and author of infinityexplorers.com i looked on their website and all their social media to try and see if i could see any obvious clue of where what country this is based in and i do not know all i know is that they're 
use of the English language is fascinating throughout. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm still trying to get over the logo here. Yeah. We have, for <laughs> everyone at home, the Words Infinity Explorers that are center aligned one over the other. And above that, center aligned as well, is a flying saucer shape. Mm-hmm. And above that is your classic gray alien head. <laughs> and it all roughly kind of sits, you know, to its credit, nicely enough as a centered uh, triangle. But then, just off to the left, is, I guess, sort of a child's clip art telescope. <laughs> yes. That is looking at them all. Does not need to be there. Nope. Is completely not doing anything uh-huh. to help the logo in any way. They were actually strangely kind of close to something that was decently triangular, and now it is that. And on the About Us page is a giant image. That's the one I sent you, I think, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I have. Uh, I quickly <laughs> surfed away kind of almost reflexively from this. <laughs> Do you want to take a swing at this one? Sure. It's the same. Probably an earlier draft. <laughs> I, it has to be because it's the same stuff, but it's just so much worse. The the text is uh, two different sizes. Infinity um, Explorers. Yeah. Um, the flying saucer above that is kind of off to the right a little bit. Doesn't have the alien head, uh, different colors and stuff. So it's just kind of a, just no real shape going on there. There's a weird space between Infinity Explorers. Almost space no space between. between Infinity and the flying saucer. And then... To the left, again, is a totally different looking clip art telescope. It's huge. It's the biggest part of the logo other than the text. <laughs> and it's kind of partly on top of the word infinity, probably behind the word explorers. <laughs> different colors. It gives uh, you the sensation that they are not satisfied to simply see the flying saucer. They want to knock it out of the sky <laughs> with their telescope. Yep. <laughs> but they're aiming ever so slightly above... <laughs> the flying saucer so i'm not sure how lucky they will be in that endeavor i guess a gesture is being made that they perhaps are looking past infinity Ooh. but uh that is guaranteed incidental yes and accidental yes so i will um, i will go ahead and continue this particular article of theirs let us carry on but everyone do yourselves a disservice and check this out <laughs> uh, as always linked in the description of the episode <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they said stories like blah, 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 different types of, uh, different subspecies of humanoid creatures that do different things, flying and such. One such case came to us from Thailand, where in 2005, villagers stumbled upon a mysterious floating creature. In the early morning of August 31st, 2005, the tiny village of Huai Nam Rak in Chiang Rai province, Thailand, about 488 miles north of Bangkok, appears to have become the destination of an underworld visitor. Mm-hmm. which I think means otherworldly visitor. <laughs> this morning, <laughs> over a dozen villagers were uh, working in the rice fields and saw a yellow, small humanoid about 30 inches, 76 centimeters tall, levitating low above the ground with yellowish skin, huge red eyes, a large head and ears, a tiny mouth, no arms, and little skinny feet. Hmm. The entity was first seen by a man named Soeng Banrachasek, he was riding his bicycle past a rice field and accidentally spotted something hovering low over the field. Hmm. Initially, the man thought it was just a stuffed animal on a long stick. Then he saw that this yellow flying humanoid was moving clearly and the stick was nowhere to be seen. Hmm. The yellow flying humanoid not only was there, it noticed the cyclist and was now looking directly at him 
with its red eyes while making a nodding motion with its large head. Uh, Why is this Bobby's head up and down? Um, Then this creature was seen by people working in the neighboring fields who came to look at it more closely. Mm -hmm. No one dared to come very close. According to the villagers, the creature hovered over uh, over the field for an hour. Someone described him as a, quote, heavenly child. Others thought it was some kind of cunningly <laughs> made... <Radiant> boy. <laughs> yes. Call back to last week. Someone else thought it was some kind of cunningly made robot doll because his movements were in many ways sharp and unnatural. Mm-hmm. Still others believed that this was not a living creature at all, but a ghost. Mm-hmm. Still others were convinced that this was an alien who wanted to make contact with them. Mm-hmm. It was Naturally. unclear how this creature moved over the field and hung in the air. There were no noticeable mechanisms or noise from the screws. Uh-huh. Okay. From time to time, it itself tried to approach people and looked at them, quote, as if ha- asking for help, <laughs> but then suddenly flew away, rose high in the sky, <laughs> while nodding even more emphatically with his eyes, <laughs> just very pleading. Um, uh, it suddenly flew away, rose high in the sky, and disappeared forever. According to some eyewitnesses, before disappearing forever in the sky, this creature sharply stretched in height and turned black. And then when it was at a very high altitude, it turned into a bright shining ball. Wow. Hmm. (laughs) Quote, "The, uh, the alien is about 70 centimeters tall, has yellow skin and a flat chest. His mouth is very tiny. He has a large bald head and big eyes and big ears. He soared into the sky in bright light. This is how one of the eyewitnesses described it. 70 centimeters tall. Oh, you're just measuring. Okay. What are you... Trying to measure it out. Okay. Uh, carry on. Uh, when the strange sighting became known to reporters, hundreds of curious people began to come to these rice fields, accompanied by teams of reporters from the news sites. Meanwhile, local authorities were also puzzled by this incident and even launched an official investigation, which immediately ran into an obstacle in the form of a complete lack of any material evidence of what had happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Quite an obstacle to run into. There's just nothing to investigate. Unfortunately, the poor rural farmers who saw this did not have their cameras with them, but they tried to sketch what they saw. Here oh, yes. is a photo of that sketch. And if the sketch is not clear enough, here is an illustration of the photo oh, of that sketch. My gosh. What you seeing? <laughs> So it is not altogether unlike the now somewhat, I guess, uh, anachronistic toy, the squeeze the head anger doll kind of toy where the eyeballs bulge out when you squeeze it. It's like a rubber toy. It looks somewhat like that. And when I did find this on Phantoms and Monsters, there was one other sketch someone provided. I'll provide that to you just now, too. It's kind of upsettingly consistent between the two of them. And here is... Well, I think the illustration was like based on the sketch, but here's another oh, sketch. Oh, I see. A more advanced sketch. Ugh. I mean, it is creepy that they all kind of seem to have a very consistent yeah. format for what they saw. Man, if I saw that, it would not be fun. So we're looking at a, a sort of armless yellow pinball, not pinball, what am I saying? A, a bowling pin shaped figure with bulging red eyes, a little sort of uh, belly button type mouth. <laughs> uh, Dr. Seuss feet. Yeah, it'd be a weird thing to see just kind of hovering there. That'd be so, weird. the police were very skeptical about all this, accusing the witness or the witnesses of drunkenness, but they all insisted that they were completely sober. Hmm. In this sleepy village where nothing special was happening, 
It caused a lot of excitement at the time. So what so far do you think could be going on here? Boy, oh boy. Well, either someone saw thought they saw something and everyone just sort of bought in, sort of folia do style. Mm-hmm. Maybe they did see something and it was a creature that could be explained, but they've not seen it before. And so it comes off as something very bizarre. Maybe there was a prank that was going on and it was highly convincing. Mm-hmm. Or it was some kind of a E.T. Or they watched Reboot, the 90s CGI TV show in which things would routinely fly <laughs> up into the sky and vanish. I don't know this one. Ah, that is okay. I feel like you've maybe mentioned this before. This followed uh, the imagined world in which inside of the computer there were there was kind of a community of characters and whenever a game would be played it would like descend on their community like a giant crazy cube oh and turn their whole world into the world of the game and their chief antagonist was the user oh so you were thrust on the other side of the screen to sympathize with these uh digital characters just trying their best uh this is <laughs> at least what my brain from 20-something years ago is telling me I have not gone back to rewatch the show, and this is becoming long. That's fine. It need not be the main episode. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> uh, a little later, a man was found who claimed that he knew what really happened here. It was a resident of a nearby village named Tangmoan Pocheloet, who claimed that in the same month he found an old helium-filled balloon doll stuck in a tree and refilled it with gas to hang outside his house as a stuffed animal. Aha! But then th- this doll was blown away somewhere by the wind, and probably it was this which was seen in the rice fields mistaken for an alien. Mm-hmm. He said the doll was three feet tall, had an enormous head and small limbs. According to him, the doll was blown away from his field by the wind just two days before the alien sightings. Wow, that's a very neat and tidy uh, conclusion. Possibly, anyway. I mean, there's still there's uh, witnesses deny that this is what they saw. They didn't say it was just a child's balloon. According to them, the creature was too realistic and really moved its legs and head and also looked at them with very real eyes. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, among other things, they assured that the creature could move against the wind, and when it flew up, it was definitely not at the behest of the wind, but on its own. Hmm. And the bright ball that uh, everyone saw above in the sky after that was a UFO in which this creature disappeared. Okay. Also, when Poche Loet showed them a photograph of his doll, all the witnesses said that it was not at all like what they had seen. Uh. I could not find any record of the photo of, of the doll, unfortunately, because I wanted to compare and see. But they just said, no, it didn't look like Naturally. that. So I don't know. Right. Um, what kind of strange creature was seen in Thailand? Is it really nothing more than an inflatable helium doll? Is it re- uh, If it really was just a toy ball... <laughs> Uh, how can so many people see it and misidentify it? We can only guess what these people actually saw. Huh. Uh-huh. Well, I guess I will go with the balloon still. What do you think happened? That seems like the most likely thing. And I do think, not to just say these people were just dumb and didn't realize what they were looking at. No, it was a live thing. It wasn't a balloon. If you see something, especially if it's a weird-shaped creature like that, too, as far as what the balloon is meant to depict. Right. You're not expecting it at all, and it's moving. When you think about a balloon that has kind of lost a lot of its lift for a while, mm-hmm. the way it kind of just hovers around in a strange way, it's going to move in a really unexpected, unnatural way mm-hmm. if people aren't getting very close to it. I mean, if it's in a, 
if you're out in a rice field and a, a weird like mylar balloon or something shows up, that's not a thing you're expecting to see. And so divorced of any context, it's going to just seem like a fucking strange sight. I mean, I can't think of a specific example, but I know there have been times in my life where I've seen a thing that I just couldn't wrap my head around because I didn't know what the hell until eventually I could like either get close enough or there's enough light to see what it was I was actually looking at. But for a while I was like, I don't know what that is yeah. and I can't imagine what it could be. Exactly. It's amazing what your brain can do as well when it's trying to assign a value to something that it cannot bend. <laughs> and all the stages of the sighting line up for me with maybe having some sort of shiny balloon show up float up and then maybe get caught in the light of the sun and shine way up above and then go out of view. Mm -hmm. And that's all to say that would be extremely spooky and weird if you didn't know what you're witnessing. Totally. And I also, I can imagine experiencing that and then have someone come along later and say, no, no, it was a balloon. I'd be like, uh, no, it absolutely was not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would not be afraid of a balloon. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Right. Cool. So it's a fun, weird one, or the potentially nice little uh, conclusion to it, but uh, something, something different anyway. Only in Thailand. <laughs> yeah, I found things that couldn't have happened anywhere else. That was what I did. <laughs> That's how I honored the prompt. Was <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, mine yes. is similarly exclusive to the terroir on which we stand currently yep. in Thailand, where we are, where we are, uh, and we brought along with us. A little contraption we never go anywhere without now, uh-huh. even though we live in different parts of the country. The <laughs> NC AAA device, yes. which we also can use in the same place at the same time, even though we're never in the same place, uh, <laughs> which is a strange computer that we created for something else for a long time ago, which we now use primarily, essentially exclusively, yes. for <laughs> the Pander function, which is... The patron appreciation neural die for evaluation of risk. This is the program we use to thank you, uh, or at least one way that we thank you, our awesome patrons. From our Patreon. Uh, for your support. Turning it on now. Boop. Ah. And now we plug these <laughs> cords into the backs of our skulls to get a direct brain connection. Little, there we go extra spark today in the humid air here in thailand <laughs> yep. now this will connect us to the dark ether wherein we can calculate the particular creature cryptid creepy crawly thing that our patreon patrons each individually need to look out for this is a very careful program we run this is not the random page function on cryptids.wikia now we're going to initiate mind link <laughs> And we're going to focus on Christina Tebolt. 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 Christina, watch out for (laughs) mispronunciation of your name, and also watch out for Sulkalu, the sloping giant, a legendary feature in Cherokee folklore, who plays the role of. The great lord of the game. Oh. Tsulkalu is also believed to some, uh, by some to be the Cherokee version of Sasquatch or Bigfoot. He seems to share several physical and behavioral traits with the creature. And artist interpretations lean in on that super hard. Oh, yeah. Uh, wow. Supposed to be able to control and read minds as discussed and proved 
on Destination <laughs> America's hit show, Mouth oh Monsters. God. Can we click through on that link? I, I was just show just, us anything it's real. It's a page about the show itself, unfortunately. Damn it. Proved. Ugh. So, Christina, you'll want to know that as early as 1823, folks were seeing, or at least Europeans were recording, Legends of Sukalu, even though the first sighting was 77 years later. <laughs> Very conflicting reports coming to us through the uh, <laughs> the And the name Sukalu means literally, he has them slanting sloping. <laughs> Being understood to refer to his eyes, although the word eye, octa, plural, dicta, is not part of it. So he just, he has them slanting. So, I suppose, if you happen to see a giant hairy monster coming towards you, and it does happen to have slightly sloped eyes of some kind. Or just in general seems to have them slanting. Yeah. Them slanting sloping. <laughs> you will know it is time to run. Otherwise, I would say confront um, and fight. One thing we don't often get here um, via this particular algorithm is a specific way you can potentially help yourself. According to the uh, very scientific Destination America hit show Mountain Monsters, there are ways to ward off the Tsukalu. First way was to keep it out of certain places. This is done by making a booger mask, which would oh, be styled man. to look like the face of Tsukalu. To trick it to thinking it was a bigger Tsukalu and would scare it away. I mean, unfortunately, Christina, that's your option. Yeah, that or I guess run away. Uh, run away, try to fight, or cover your face in slime <laughs> sorry about that and thank and you so thank much you so much for supporting us on patreon <laughs> we really do appreciate it if you want to have your own cryptid or creature calculated all you gotta do is support us on patreon at any level and uh you know what this this month we're trying to make this extra special we would love to hit 100 patrons by the end of august oh yes different perks you can get you can get stickers you can get a bunch of uh, cool bonus digital content we'll talk a little more about it in a minute if we hit 100 patrons by the end of this month, we will unlock democracy. You will be able to suggest and then vote on episode topics every single month. We'll do one episode that patrons decide on every single month. More importantly, if we manage to hit 100 within the month of August, we're going to have a very special reward for those first 100 patrons only, which is really gorgeous, custom, super duperstitious Belgian beer glasses. Oh my goodness, we saw a sample that was shipped to us by the producer. I'm drinking out of it right now. Looks very fine. Mm -hmm. So if you would like an exclusive piece of merch and access to all these other cool perks and things, please do consider jumping on board. We are just 30 patrons away from hitting our goal. So essentially, get one of your friends to join every single day of this month. Yes. And by the time you're hearing this, we're a little behind on that, so we need five right now, and then one every day for the rest of the month. Even more fun, you can hack the system and just sign up multiple times. Yeah, just different cards, different Think uh, of a pseudonym. accounts, whatever, yeah. And if you do that, we will send you rewards multiple for glasses. each of, yeah, multiple glasses, multiple stickers. For, depending on what tier you choose, uh, you'll get the stuff if you pay for it, so you know you got nothing to lose. And we will not be selling this glass after the fact. We will not do it if we don't get to 100. This is your chance. Don't blow it. And considering chances, I, I think we might want to take a chance on punching up another patron. Yeah. 
Especially since we never did actually unplug this thing, so we might as well do that. Let's go for it. Let's focus on... Anna, Anna Scrip. Scrip. Anna Scrip. Anna, we're still waiting on that cool story that you promised a while back. I guess your roommate, was it? You're still waiting on? So get that to us when you can. Very excited to hear about it. In the meantime, look out for... Beast, Beast of, of Bears. Bears. Okay. The Beast of Bears is a cryptid found in southern Texas, Florida, Virginia, and possibly Arkansas. And you'll know that you're seeing the Beast of Bears because it resembles a large bear with many scars and missing patches of fur. Mm. It's commonly yeah. seen near swamps as well as various areas in deep woods. The creature is described as having a strong, pungent smell of alcohol and rotten eggs. Wow. So it may just be a very ill bear. Could be a drunk-ass sick bear. The first sighting of the Beast of Bears was October 12, 1973 at a camping spot near the town of Alice, Texas. Since mm -hmm. then, over 31 sightings have been made of the creature. And Anna, the most recent of which, was on the 1st of May 2012, already oh boy. nine years ago. <laughs> Practically yesterday. Uh, yep. <laughs> In the backyard, in a backyard outside of Crestview, Florida. I don't know where you live, but if you're anywhere near there, don't let that nine-year window fool you. Yes. So, big bear. It's a big old bear. It's a scared bear. Watch out for bears. I will say, unless Anna, this is unless you are confronting the beast of bears, you may not need to run. So, grizzly, brown, black, sun, polar, panda, panda. Koala, even. especially. Uh, see what happens. But <laughs> if it is the beast of bears, oh boy. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you, Anna, for your support. <laughs> and, we really uh, appreciate yes. it. And now I think we should unplug this here. Uh, the yes. little, little hot. There oh, we go. Much better. As I mentioned, we have digital awards every week. We have outtakes every month. Uh, minisodes every week. This week's minisode comes out when the main episode comes out. What's uh, what are we talking about this this week's minisode? What? Uh, this week's minisode. I am continuing my grand minisode experiment. Mm -hmm. I'm now on the third stage of that project. <laughs> yep. Uh, if you know what I'm talking about, you know. And if you don't, you'll just have to uh, jump behind that paywall. And Jake. I forget what you talked about. It doesn't matter. You'll have to find out. So please consider <laughs> jumping on any level of support and uh, tell your friends about the show. Any of that stuff. It's great. Thank you so much. Thank you and, very uh, much. Back to the show. Okay. So, Jake, have you heard of Thailand's Area 51? Nope. Well, I will pass it on over to the Bangkok Post. Mm-hmm. It was a Thursday morning, and Nam was waking up after a good night's sleep. Bleary-eyed, she motivated herself to get up by counting down the weekdays on her hand. She only had seven fingers. Two more days of school, she said, reluctantly dragging herself out of bed. She headed to the back porch of her traditional Thai-style house in Khao Kala, Nakhon Sawan, to brush her teeth. Still sleepy... Nam looked up to the sky and blinked, allowing the first light of day into her eyes. The sky was orange as the sun slowly came up, and as she swept her gaze across the horizon, like she did every day, something was different. <laughs> 
It looked like an upside-down walk floating in the sky, recalled Nam, who was 12 mm-hmm. at the time. I started to yell for my grandmother to come and see, she said. But by the time her grandmother came outside, the mysterious entity had moved behind a cloud and disappeared. It was unlike anything Nam had seen before, except for that walk we've already talked about. <laughs> it must have been a UFO, she said. It must have been something from outside planet Earth. Huh? 56-year-old Somjit Raypeth, a medical professional and science lover, doesn't just believe in things that can't be proven by fact. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Somjit was born and raised in Nakhon Sawan, where she worked as a nurse at a local hospital. After a long shift one day in late 1997, Mrs. Somjit received a phone call from her father, Churd Trinsamnuan, a retired army sergeant living in Utai Tani province. Do aliens exist? He asked her bluntly. Based on her own experience and a lack of any evidence to the contrary, she told him flatly, no. (laughs) (laughs) Sergeant Churd was a monk before he joined the army, and he loved to meditate, and did so every day. Several weeks later, he called his daughter again. He said he could hear an alien in his mind while he was meditating. It said there would be a big disaster that would kill half the world's population. Jesus. They are real. He was predicting Thanos. I know, exactly. (laughs) Uh, Mrs. Sumjit asked her father to send the alien over to her house in Nakansawan, stating, I won't believe it until I see it with my own eyes. (laughs) Not long after, she received another phone call from her father while she was working her night shift at the hospital. They're on their way to see you now, before hanging up. (laughs) Oh, God. That's so ominous. Less than five minutes later, Mrs. Sumjit received a phone call from her sister-in-law. He is spinning out, please come home, referring to Mrs. Sumjit's husband, Cherun Raypeth. When she finally arrived home, her husband said he had lost control of his body and began spinning like a top. Wow. He spun out to the front yard of the house and was shocked by what was in the sky. I saw a big round flying object with a bright orange light in the center and many other smaller lights spinning around it. Mrs. Sumjit called her father back and told him to inform the aliens that she was at home waiting for them. Oh, sorry. This is the next day. Okay. Or later on. Uh, or no. No, no, no. She's back. Anyway, wait. Let me take it again. She's <laughs> she's back. The aliens have gone. The husband's saying that this was crazy, but it's over now. So she calls her father back to inform him that she's ready for the aliens. They went to the wrong place. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sorry. Got a little lost there. Um, around 8 p.m., when most houses in the neighborhood had already turned out their lights, ooh, they go to bed early, she got the call. They're on their way again, he said. Huh. Mrs. Sumjit and her two other sisters went outside to stand in the front of the house, and there it was, hmm. up in the sky. Another resident of the area, 67-year-old Peung, has lived in Kaukala for 47 years at the foot of Hill 145 which is part of the Kala mountain range and named after its height above sea level, which doesn't get easier than that. (laughs) The place is a hotspot for sightings of unexplained lights in the sky. Mrs. Preyung has uh, had her first encounter with the paranormal long before Mrs. Somjit. I said Preyung before, it's Preyung, my mistake. The incident took place one evening when everyone in her family was out at a local funeral and she was home with her nephew. Uh, A local funeral sounds like... A regular place to go. 
Sitting on her front porch at 9 p.m., a large object with a light, quote, as bright as the moon, came flying out of nowhere and hovered down close to her. It was quiet, so it couldn't have been a plane, and it was covered by blinking lights, she said. Then it flew away, very fast. I thought I was dreaming. Uh, scientist Sawat Tantifanwadi worked as part of a team designing a spaceship to explore Mercury for NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center in 2001. He is now the senior advisor for the National Science and Technology Development Agency in Thailand. Cool. Although he does believe that life exists on other planets, he argues that it must uh, that it is most likely to be tiny bacteria. Quote, I do believe in aliens from other planets, but I don't believe they look like what we see in films, Mr. Sawat said. I don't believe they have a big round head, big eyes, or green skin. For me, aliens could be life in another form, such as an amino acid or protein. Life from other planets could be methane or sulfur-based. Mm-hmm. Back in Kao Kala, UFO believers see things differently. After Mrs. Somjit had her first strange encounter, she began to believe, like her father, that meditation was the only means of communicating with the aliens. It took her a year before she was able to make contact. She started meditating for two and a half hours every day until she could refine her concentration. After getting increasingly better at it, she resigned from her job as a nurse and started a group called UFO Kao Kala alongside her dad. When her father passed away, Mrs. Somjit took over the group and started to train other people to meditate with the purpose of acting as radios to receive and translate messages from aliens. Their aim is to warn the human race of impending danger. Science, however, does not concur. (laughs) (laughs) Quote, for years, scientists have been looking for signs of intelligent life, Mr. Sawat said, but no person in history has ever discovered that. He suggested that people are capable of putting themselves into a dreamlike state of consciousness through meditation, where it can be difficult to distinguish reality from imagination. Hmm. They can see anything they want if they concentrate enough, Mr. Sawat said, but there is no way to scientifically prove their claims. So thanks for doing our job for us, Mr. Sawat. (laughs) Um, Even still, why don't we join... Jamie Fullerton, who, writing for Vice in 2019, visited the home of Ajarn Wasan Chuinsumnaun, a co-founder of UFO Kao Kala Group, uh, with her sister Somjit, who we just heard about mm-hmm. in this previous article. Uh, so we, we pick up with Jamie now. A battle for wall space between Buddhist memorabilia and framed drawings of extraterrestrials piloting elaborate spacecraft raged in the front room. <laughs> a human-sized, quote-unquote, classic gray alien model stood in the lobby. And about 10 Kaukala members, all wearing swirly galaxy-designed t-shirts, nodded as Wasana discussed her 21-year relationship with beings from beyond. There were many details to digest, such as how the aliens don't have defined sexes and eat just energy capsules because they have small mouths. I didn't see a hint of a wink or a nod among the group members present, whose ages range from their 20s to 60s. The 50 or so people comprising the core Kaokala group, plus thousands following them online, take aliens seriously. This is because, rather than destroying us Independence Day style, the Kaokala group believes they're planning to save us from annihilation. Mm-hmm. Once this ET hotline was established, conversation focused on a forthcoming World War III and nuclear apocalypse. The sisters heard 
how ETs wanted to speak to humans so they could one day provide them with the technology to survive this before forging a new generation of humans. This inspired the duo to build their community of believers to help get the message out. Despite the unlikeliness of their yarn, their straight-faced sincerity proved convincing. After gaining traction by word of mouth in Nakan Sawan, Kaukala expanded its online presence and held public meetups, earning nationwide attention through the media. A community crystallized. Manap Ampan, 65, is a former local government communications officer who now helps run the group's social media. Kritaya Ketkeusuan, a 30-year-old graphic designer from Bangkok, joined because she loved sci-fi and really wants to see a UFO. She said she believed in, quote, about 50% of the group's claims. <laughs> Others have rocketed deeper into the wormhole. Anne Dong Charon, uh, 28, who works at her family's restaurant in Bangkok, casually pointed out alien sighting locations as if they were historical buildings on a tour. Here's where we saw the aliens from Pluto. They use synthetic suits to walk on Earth, she said as we trudged up Kaukala Mountain. Their UFO evidence didn't extend far beyond blurry photos of what looked like saucepan lids flung into the sky above the mountain's golden Buddha statue. As we climbed higher, Anne remained insistent. Here's where someone saw an alien robot, she said as the forest got denser and mosquitoes began dive-bombing. She told me to take photos of the sky so we could zoom in and check for spaceships later. The vibe on the mountaintop was more weekend bus tour than doom cult and local businesses unaffiliated to the group were taking advantage of the stream of alien obsessives. After visiting the mountain, we hit a Nakon Sawan market to load up on baggy t-shirts plastered with garish alien designs seemingly teleported from a 1990s rave. <laughs> so, Thai ETs, in so many ways, this, for me is another clear and even fun example of just how earnestly we can all buy into our own beliefs and the beliefs of a group. In particular, this story calls to mind for me two phenomena, um, neither of which is exclusive to this particular story. But before I dive into that quickly, I was just wondering what you thought about all this, Jake. Yeah, it's it's tough whenever it comes to the UFO stuff because I have so little to add each time, I feel like, because there's so much similar between them, so much that's so different between them that it's hard to really uh, really know what to say other than, huh. Yeah, <laughs> like that's it's, it's, very, very fair. It is a big, huh? The the two dynamics at play here that we can certainly appreciate and uh, look to in ourselves in the world, I would say, are communal reinforcement, which is a bedfellow of the bandwagon effect, mm -hmm. which describes how when a concept or idea is repeatedly asserted in a community, regardless as to whether empirical evidence has been provided, it will gradually be reinforced into a strong belief mm. um, in some or all of that community's mind. Yeah. So this is a testament to the power of simply repeating a message, <laughs> whether you buy it or not, right. uh, in order to get others to believe you. Uh, the former president of the United States was mm. a master of this and helped immensely by media outlets that further echoed uh, baseless claims. Mm -hmm. um, and from these stories, I believe the sisters uh, that feature, you know, as the center mouthpieces of this movement uh, really do believe their story and probably were launched into that world by the conviction of their own father who knows what he was going through or what he experienced but it definitely would carry more weight if your own parent was like I mean depending on your relationship with your parent but mm -hmm. 
say you trusted and loved them and they were like, I am definitely talking to aliens, you'd be like, I want to learn more, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe it just took on a life of its own. And interestingly, uh, I think hand in hand with this, though, I got a sense of what is referred to as pluralistic ignorance. Ooh. Peeking through the cracks of these articles, which is a fancy sounding term. And the one that came closest to what I was sensing, and I think is exactly what I was trying to find, not a term I've seen before, hmm. but essentially describes the bystander effect. Ah. A majority of group members may privately reject a norm, but may go along with it because they assume that most others in the group accept it. So basically, no one wants to be the odd man out to say, mm-hmm. hey guys, this is a little strange, right. even if everyone privately agrees. Hmm. So, you know, there's a few folks like that one person's like, I believe about 50% of this, but I'm still down for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and of course, all of this particular movement in support of UFOs and ETs is fun and easy to fall for, I think, because it hinges on this quote unquote psychic contact. Right. Uh, so you're at your own mercy as far as how much you think you're actually receiving messages from the beyond. Uh, it's a joke as old as time. This is like the key to seances. This is the key to, um, to everything. <laughs> it's right. the key to everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's one that we're all deeply susceptible to. Um, and you, when you add to this elements of the apocalypse coming in, uh, reinforcement by the community and perhaps, uh, sort of unhelpful media attention by major outlets like Vice and even CNN, you all might find yourself planning a trip to Kaokala as well. Yeah. And that is my segment. Very, oh, oh that light, oh, why I just went up into the sky, yeah. into a bright light and disappeared forever. <laughs> nodding furiously again. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, Thailand, it's been real. I it think has. I need to go get some pad thai. I need to go to the bathroom, so we should fly home soon. Let's do it. Let's get on this plane. But first, I think we need to talk about a little brewery halfway around the globe from here <laughs> in Western Massachusetts, one that, of course, combines Dungeons & Dragons, loud music, and alcohol to make delicious, wonderful beer. beer. This, of course, is Four Phantoms. Make some beers. They're good beers. They have such tasty offerings currently as Wyatt. Battle Standard Lager. A delicious, crisp German lager with American Equinot and Amarillo hops. <laughs> Hand of Doom Stout, an oatmeal stout brewed with robust dark malt, maple syrup, and loads of oats. Loats, if you will. For an extra creamy body. Bite back sour and purple potion sour. One orange, one boysenberry, and with lavender. Probably the best way to get into sours, if you ask me. They're yeah. delicious, refreshing, uh, tart and sweet. If you want an even more interesting tart and sweet combo, there is uh, Johnny Flip Flops Mojito Sour, which has both key lime and mint going on in there. It's very, very cool and interesting. Definitely worth trying. Plus, their ongoing favorites like the double IPA called Dirt Weed, which we... Mm. Boy, do we like that one. Why do we like that one? It's the most delicious IPA. Boy, we like that one. Oh, boy, do we like that one. Sorry. But we like it because it's good. Yeah, that'll be why. (laughs) Uh, You can catch any of these beers at various alcohol mongers throughout (laughs) Massachusetts, Rhode Island. I prefer to call them booze mongers. (laughs) 
You can also get it via curbside pickup uh, if you use the contact info we provide in every episode description. And pretty soon, or is it happening yet, the actual tap room will be opening in Greenboro? Green... What the fuck is that? Almost. Almost. <laughs> Greenville? Greenfield. Greenfield. Greenfield, Massachusetts. Already a cool town. Now, endlessly cool <laughs> with Four Phantoms presence. Can't wait to get up there myself and catch them when they're open. One way you can help support Four Phantoms is either buying the beer or if you are too far away to do so, go to untapped.com and leave a review, a really positive, fun review for any one of their beers. Just pretend like you had it. Talk about how good it was. If you mention us and do a fun job of writing about it, we will read your review here on the show. And what else need we say? Other than thank you for Phantoms. We love you. And thank you, listeners, for joining us on the first leg of August, August Around, around the, world. the World. If you like the show, please consider leaving a review and uh, rating on Apple Podcasts in particular is the big one. But uh, your, your positive words uh, mean positive things to our positively positive giddy hearts. Yes. And uh, we hope you join us again next week as we continue our trek around the world in russia Ooh, i can't wait to change out of my shorts and into i guess cargo dense, shorts sh- denser shorts yes cargo <laughs> shorts <laughs> um we'll see you guys there goodbye jake let's get on that plane ah <laughs> uh, inside the plane i am oh boy i got some biscoff crackers this is cool i didn't know this was a delta <laughs> flight but Yes, it's the smallest Delta plane. In fact, it's a two-seater. Oh, shit. One of us needs to fly this thing? Oh, shit. I thought... Well, we'll figure it out. Bye. (laughs) Ah, now I'm flying the plane. (laughs) I figured it out pretty quick. It just just pushed the button. Oh, the fly button. I don't know how I didn't see that one. Yeah, it just says fly to Russia. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So that was good. (laughs) Yep.